Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. My guest tonight, Roy Blakey, has been on my radar since I started the show last May. Roy has led a wonderful life and is the subject of a documentary called The Fabulous Ice Age about the 100-year history of dancing on ice and Roy's quest to save that history. Joining us in the studio is the director and producer of the award-winning documentary, Carrie Pickett. The doc is available on Netflix, Amazon, iTunes, and DVD. Carrie is also Mr. Bookie's niece, and this is her second appearance on Wall of Power TV. Her first appearance was with Winona LaDuke, highlighting her award-winning documentary film about Winona called First Daughter and the Black Snake, following Miss LaDuke's efforts to keep the image pipelines out of sacred wild rice territory in northern Minnesota. And without any further ado, I'd like to welcome my guests, Roy Blakey and Carrie Pickett. Roy, what a pleasure to meet you. Oh, my pleasure, my Thank, pleasure. Thanks for being here. Hey, Carrie, welcome back. Thank you so much, Paul. All right. I've had the pleasure of watching uh, the documentary, Ice Age, the 100-year uh, history of dancing on ice. Before I met Carrie, I found it on Netflix, and I just loved it. I got to meet Carrie about a year ago. We've got to be really good friends. We're both Northeast natives. And she said that not only were you the subject of her great documentary, but you were her uncle as well. A lot of talent in your family. So you grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Well, I was born in Tulsa, okay. but uh, very shortly thereafter, my father got a job in Enid, Oklahoma, and we moved there. Okay. So I went through all of my education uh, in Enid uh, through the, to high school. When did your interest in ice skating start, and what was your connection um, to the history of ice skating? Well, as a kid, I, was a, I loved roller skating in the streets of Enid, and uh, I loved uh, movies, so uh, I saw an ice skating scene in a movie that was so spectacular and so incredible that in that movie theater, watching that, I said to myself, I have to do that. That's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. Those people swirling around the ice and leaping, and, uh, and they, they, they had put, uh, the ice was painted black, so it was like a mirror. <clears throat> so these beautiful uh, skaters in white costumes were mirrored, skating around. So from age 10, I knew where I had to go. I knew I had to get uh, become an ice skater and get into some of those incredible productions. That's a beautiful story. Do you remember what the movie was? It was a Sonia Henney film. I think it was... Um, the name of the film was uh, Sun Valley Serenade. So what was your next step? You're 10 years old. You're living in Oklahoma. Not a lot of ice rinks down in Oklahoma, I would imagine. So you're following, you are now inspired, following your dream. What was your next step? I have step? my goal, but there is a big obstacle, as you say. Right. No ice in Enid. <laughs> so I... Um, got proper uh, ice, uh, roller skating uh, equipment and uh, went to the roller skating rink regularly and uh, got to the point where I needed some uh, guidance. And I went every Saturday to Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, on the bus uh, to take lessons from a wonderful uh, teacher there. And... Uh, so uh, I was that ice skating lessons then? Well, it, no, this, Just this roller was skating. roller skating, okay. and I did do a few competitions, but that was so nothing to me because that wasn't a show, that wasn't a, a theatrical aspect of the mm -hmm. thing. Uh, so, but I knew uh, ultimately that I would have to get onto the ice. So uh, my father worked for a university in Enid, and it was just self-understood that I was going to go to, to Phillips University uh, when I finished high school. Well, 
uh, I didn't go to there. I said to my dad, that's not what I want. I said, I don't suppose you would consider letting me go to Tulsa to university uh, where uh, Tulsa has an ice skating rink. <laughs> I didn't say that about the rink uh, to my dad. But uh, he said, try me. Yeah. We were in the car, I think, the next day to Wonderful. drive to Tulsa. And he uh, uh, found out all the information from the uh, people running the uh, University of Tulsa. And so I uh, got to stay in Tulsa and uh, work on my ice skating. It's the same technique. It just, you mm -hmm. don't have that eight pounds on your feet right. like the roller skates are, you know. So uh, I did, that's where I first got my toe in the ice to, <laughs> so to, to, speak, right? to get uh, toward my, closer to my goal. Well, that must have been exciting for you to <clears throat> actually... Well, I was very much more interested in the skating than my university classes. What were you taking? Uh, well, art, for instance, that was my I, super, super uh, interest. Uh, but I took, uh, you know, the, more of the general stuff. I don't even remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and they were so unimportant. Uh, but I, I lasted that two and, two and a half years, and uh, I... I said, you know, I'm going nowhere here. Right. I, I'm I know the so feeling. much more interested. <laughs> I, did, I did the same the, thing. In, 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 it bounced me out too, Roy. I get it. <laughs> so I went back to Enid and uh, uh, worked some little odd jobs, uh, you know, uh, uh, dairy freeze or something. Right. Uh, you know, uh, and... Uh, so uh, I'll, uh, I got drafted because I wasn't a student anymore, and uh, they whisked me off to, uh, uh, it, it was a place in Louisiana, Camp Polk. Okay. In Louisiana, and the only thing I remember was that the air was always full of smoke. Something was burning. The trees were burning, or something. For the entire time, my basic training there. That's my memory that I was in a fog. Was that in the army? Yeah. Okay. And uh, I've been so lucky, and thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Instead of shipping me off to uh, Korea, where they were all shooting at each other, I went to Germany. I have had so much good luck in my life. Hmm. So I'm here in, I'm in, in uh, Kaiserslautern, Germany, and I find out that there is a leave and recreation uh, center in the Bavarian Alps below Munich uh, where the military people could go and uh, ride horses and play tennis and uh, ski and skate. There are a big skating rink there. Uh, and uh, one of the glories of uh, Garmisch Park in Kirchen, Germany for the uh, American so soldiers was that there was a nightclub that had an ice skating show. Wow, a nightclub with an ice skating Built show. Built by the United States Army, uh, erected for, you know, to serve the uh, uh, people coming in for the, their vacations. And uh, so I said, hey, my buddy, buddies, let's go to Garmisch and see this ice skating show. So we all, uh, I think there were three other guys, and we went down. And I took my ice skates with me, and uh, we saw the ice skating show. It was wonderful. Inside, it was like a, a 20s mo a mo uh, movie. Right. Uh, Three-tiered uh, places for, with tables uh, where people could eat and have uh, drinks and things, uh, uh, and a big, big, big dance floor and uh, an 18-piece orchestra live music. Wow. And uh, uh, when it's time for the ice show, they pushed a button, and the uh, uh, dance floor receded underneath the place, uh, the tables where they were. Lovely, um, I think it was a... T mm, 50, 60 feet, feet long and uh, 40 foot wide uh, uh, stage for the ice show. It was uh, 
everything. You must have thought you were in heaven. So, and it, the building for the nightclub was right next door to the uh, Olympic Stadium where the 1936 Olympics wow. were held. And Sonia Henney had won her third gold medal in that building. Historic. So, so uh, I was skating there for our two or three days that we were there. And I said, get over there to that has a karaoke nightclub and tell them you'd like to have an audition. So I did, I wrote a little note and I took it over and left it for the uh, woman who was the director there. Before I even got back to my hotel room, I, as I, I wandered back, and when I got there, the guys said, they called, from, they want you to come and audition for the ice skating show. Wow. I said, oh, they probably saw me in the big rink, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, of course, set the whole thing up. So I did go in and audition, and despite the fact that for over a year I hadn't had any skates on, yeah. uh, I skated for her, and she said, I think I can use you in my show. She said, well, you, um, here, write down where you're stationed and the job that you do, and I'll see if I can get you transferred. Wow. Well... I'm this high off the air, off the ground right. in the air that my dreams are all coming true. Wow. So I go back to Kaiser Slaughter and to my unit, and uh, I'm looking down my nose at all those uh, officers thinking, <laughs> ha, 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 I'm not long for this place. I'm going in show business. <laughs> I never heard for the woman, from the woman. She never contacted me again. So I'm struggling along. I'm saying, I don't want to go back to the States when I'm, my two, two, two years is up. We'd like to remind you this show is brought to you in part by the Iron Range Resources and Rehabilitation. We will have more with Roy Blakey, star of the documentary The Fabulous Ice Age, 100 Years of Dancing on Ice, and Carrie Pickett after these messages. The number one source of the Twin Cities gay scene is all digital. Follow Twin Cities Gay Scene on Facebook and Twitter. Sign up for the Scene Shot email blast for weekly updates and chances to win great prizes. No app is needed to view the bi-weekly web editions of Scene. It's GLBTQ Media for the mobile generation. Find it all at TwinCitiesGayScene.com. That's TwinCitiesGayScene.com. This is Ken Hagland of Minnesota Hospice, inviting you to listen to our brand new show airing on AM 950 on Saturdays from noon to one. The Minnesota Hospice Show looks forward to discussing how we honor life and to exploring the physical, spiritual, mental, and emotional issues we experience throughout all stages of life. Learn how hospice is the new face of hope and how it's your benefit, your choice. Join us Saturdays at noon and check us out online at minnesotahospice.com. Well, here we are again, and I gotta tell you, Jim, this match has me really concerned. Here we have a powerful heavyweight, a train, weighing in at 6,000 tons, and this hasty lightweight challenger, a car, at just one and a half tons? This does not bode well for the car, or the people in it. It's no contest. Every day, people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. Hi, this is Gregory Rich from Habitation Furnishing and Design, and I'd like you to tune in to a new program, Drink in the Style. Sundays at 5 p.m., Drink in the Style is going to be a one-hour conversation about interior design and aesthetics, all while enjoying a cocktail created by a local mixologist. Drink in the Style, Sundays at 5 p.m., brought to you by Habitation Furnishing and Design. Someone asked if I really do love my Rudy Luther Toyota Sienna as much as I say I do. Well, this week I've got groceries, a target run, seven sports practices with carpooling for four of them, two games, three music lessons, 4-H, dance, helping a friend move. We'll also probably have three play dates. I'll have to drive to work and I'll have at least one weekend family outing. Yes, it's a lot, but I get to do it all in relaxing comfort and style. Yes, I do love my Sienna and you can fall in love for yourself at Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169. The two gingers just can't get enough of Paul Metzer. He's smooth, yet strong. A great mixer and very refreshing. The two gingers are his biggest fans. They're at practically every bar, club and restaurant in Minnesota to see his shows. 
and now they've taken to following Paul around the country. Texas, New York, Nebraska, you never know where you may find the two gingers. Just ask the bartender for them. Two gingers whiskey, what could happen? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzen. We pick up with my guest, Roy Blakey, and he tells us about how he finally got into the ice skating show while he was stationed in Germany. So I'm thinking, well, can I go to school? Can I do this? And I said, you know, you should write that woman and remind her that she kind of thought I could fit into her show. Right. And I did, and she sent me a contract. So, Well, this um, is a great, you know what, for any, anybody, not just kids out there, that want to get a little inspiration from my guest, Roy Blakey, you were inspired at 10, you followed your dream through happenstance, you ended up in the Bavarian Alps next to a nightclub with ice and an Olympic um, skating rink from 1936. You audition, you hear nothing, you persist, they call you back with a contract. If that is not the American dream by way of the Bavarian Alps, I don't know what, what, what is. I applaud you for your persistence, Roy. <laughs> My uh, army, uh, the, I was so important to the U.S. Army that they kept me till midnight of the end of my two years service. I thought, come on, give me a break. <laughs> Let me go one day early. Right. So I had to go to Munich and get a passport and all those things that I was a civilian again. And off I went on the train to uh, Garmisch Partenkirchen to start my career as a professional with your skates and I uh, skated there for 18 months and I said uh, to the woman who ran the uh, show uh, you know as much as I love it here I'm going to have to get back to the states so what did you do in the show everything okay she was so wonderful uh, she uh, it would work every afternoon with the skaters if they want to make a new... Uh, uh, choreograph a new piece. Choreograph a new piece just for them or for them an apartment, a partner. He, she would put, p- uh, pick somebody, said, you, you two should skate together because you're the right size and she's blonde and she's beautiful and he, you're tall and handsome. Uh, I didn't get that said to me, but anyway... <laughs> Oh, you're a pretty good-looking uh, guy, right? I uh, did little comedy routines. Oh, you did? Like things. what? Oh, uh, she had a, a number that she choreographed for uh, uh, one of the girls and myself. And we came onto the ice uh, in uh, street clothes and uh, skated around and then went to the back and the curtain opened and there was the dressing room. So we both take off our uh, street clothes and we get into our clown outfits. So we, the, the big ba- baggy pants and sure. a ruffle thing around the neck. And then we did a little uh, uh, Be a Clown. We skated to Be a Clown, that kind of a thing. To the 18-piece orchestra. Yes, to the 18-piece orchestra. And one of the orchestra uh, members was Tulia Mobilia, who wrote um, the most famous Italian popular song in the world, uh, Volare. Really? Uh, was uh, playing in the orchestra. This is the beautiful six degrees of separation that you only find on <laughs> Wall of Power TV. Boy, that's amazing. I'm going to be able to use that is in saloons around the country as I travel. Tulio. Telling that story. Tulio Mobilia. Wow. Beautiful name. Anyway, where was I? Yeah. Well, I oh, just, think, I'm, I'm, just I'm, I'm having to go home because uh, uh, the, the, with the GI Bill, you get uh, your education uh, funded uh, as an ex-service person. Right. So uh, I, I'm, I say to the lady, I've got to get back to the States. And so saying to myself, well, I had a year and a half uh, career as a professional skater. You know, I should be very happy about that. So I'm just, I'm just about to leave. Uh, I've got a week or two weeks or whatever still. And I run into her in a coffee shop. And she said, 
uh, I have a little good news for you. And I said, what is that? She said, well, I've got you a new job at the Conrad Hilton Hotel in Chicago where they have a, an ice skating show in an elegant uh, theater restaurant in wow. the hotel. And I was there for five years. I went to Chicago and uh, five incredible years. Two shows a night, seven days a week. Wow. <laughs> Do you ever buy lottery tickets? Because I'd like to go win on some lottery <laughs> tickets with you. Because you are a very lucky oh, this man. Is, you're, you're just, you're, that's only the beginning. I mean, uh, every way I turn, look what I run into. This gal that makes yes. this movie for about my, my uh, collection. And I think it's a good time to talk to Carrie, although... I'm how thinking. Stop, right? I'm thinking in my exactly, but I'm thinking in my mind how many barroom bets I'm going to make with. Do you know who wrote Filari? <laughs> Tolio Mobilia. Tolio. <laughs> Nobody's going to win that. I'm splitting all those bets with you. <laughs> Carrie Pickett, my northeast neighbor, and uh, my good friend. You're making your. The first person to make two appearances on Wall of Power TV. Oh, right. It feels super special. Yes, and you've had a great run now. Uh, I follow you on Facebook. You've been winning uh, uh, several awards at film festivals with uh, First Daughter and the Black Snake. Yes, I have. It's yeah. been really wonderful. Where, where, where was the, your latest appearance? I know you were down in... In Winona for the Frozen River Film Frozen Festival. Frozen River Film Festival gave the film the best Minnesota-made documentary award and um, the Red Nation Film Festival in LA gave me the Courage Award for the film and the award is a beautiful uh, statue that is golden like an Oscar except it's a statue of a Native American woman and it's so formidable and so beautiful that I feel like I won an Oscar. Well, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Well, we know how you got a little bit of your courage from your, your lovely Uncle Roy. When did uh, you decide to do a documentary on Uncle Roy? Well, I have uh, Roy to thank for a number of aspects of my career because when I moved to New York City in 1982 following college, I went to pursue my dream of making it as a photographer, and I think my mother always felt that I had a shot at it because Roy was a professional photographer, his second career. And I didn't a, start to death. As a second <laughs> photographer, so she knew it was possible. And so I moved to New York City where Roy had a loft, and he let me stay with him the first two weeks of my stay wow. in New York City. What and part, then What part of the city? He, his loft was on uh, 6th Avenue and 24th Street. I know exactly where that is, yep. In Chelsea, and so over a topless bar, <laughs> Billy's Billy's topless. And well, so I you know I lived in New York in the in the mid '90s for a couple of years, up in Regal Park, but I got to the Village every day. And you remember that great New York Post headline: uh, "Headless woman found in topless bar." Yeah, <laughs> headless body in topless bar. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it, I was a, a photographer for 30 years, in part because of Roy's inspirational nice. career as a photographer. And then um, when in 1993, Roy moved out of New York City after 25 years in New York City and moved to, to Minneapolis, we got a building together so that we could share a photography studio. And he could have a place for his Ice Stage Archive collection of memorabilia of the history of theatrical figure skating. We will have more with Roy Blakey and Carrie Pickett in the last two episodes of the Wall of Power Radio Hour. I want to remind you this show was originally recorded for my television show, Wall of Power TV, that you can watch every Saturday night at 8 p.m. and 11.30 p.m. If you have Comcast, get it on Channel 6 or stream at mcn6.org. The two gingers just can't get enough of Paul Metza. He's smooth, yet strong, a great mixer and very refreshing. The two gingers are his biggest fans. They're at practically every bar, club and restaurant in Minnesota to see his shows. And now they've taken to following Paul around the country. Texas, New York, Nebraska. You never know where you may find the two gingers. Just ask the bartender for them. Two gingers whiskey. What could happen? 
Visit the wine bar at Cafe Latte and enjoy a unique handcrafted pizza and glass of wine. The perfect place for an intimate night or an evening with friends. Choices range from spicy Italian sausage and sweet roasted peppers to the one-of-a-kind nacho chicken pizza layered with blue corn tortilla chips. The approachable wine list offers over 30 by the glass with special emphasis on wines from Washington State. End your night with one of Cafe Latte's melt-in-your-mouth desserts. 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. Is it time to downsize, but don't know where to start? Give the House Geeks with Bricks Real Estate a call. We're experienced in making this process as easy as possible. Whether it is help with pricing your home, assistance in finding movers, or any of the other professionals you might need to get your home sold, we're here for you. Take the worry away by giving us a call today at 612-207-5388. That's 612-207-5388 or online anytime at housegeeks.com. He learned to pitch in your backyard. Now his team's coming over to celebrate their high school championship. So you need to patch those bare spots fast. Pennington One Step Complete has a revolutionary formula that repairs bare spots in only two weeks or less. Pennington's been trusted since 1945, and now it works even faster. One Step Complete from Pennington. Honest Green. Get your lawn ready for any occasion. Head to your local retailer to pick up One Step Complete. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. The number one source of the Twin Cities gay scene is all digital. Follow Twin Cities Gay Scene on Facebook and Twitter. Sign up for the Scene Shot email blast for weekly updates and chances to win great prizes. No app is needed to view the bi-weekly web editions of Scene. It's GLBTQ Media for the mobile generation. Find it all at TwinCitiesGayScene.com. That's TwinCitiesGayScene.com. With your AM 950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Tonight will be partly cloudy with a low around 33. Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 61. Sunday night, partly cloudy with a low around 36. Monday, mostly sunny with a high near 67. And Monday night, mostly cloudy with a low around 44. One myth about solar is that it's too expensive and you need a lot of money down. Truth, solar is available for a little or no money down. And if you have a great site for your solar, it might even put money away on a monthly basis. So visit allenergysolar.com and you can start saving today. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. My guests in the studio for the whole show tonight, Roy Blakey, subject of the documentary The Fabulous Ice Age, 100 Years of Dancing on Ice. And with us next, their director and producer of the film, Carrie Pickett, telling us how she got the whole project started. And so... Every time a filmmaker would come to see me or I would have people come to the studio, I would sort of say to them, well, don't you think that this would be just a great film on this history? And because of Roy, I learned that the ice shows dominated live entertainment for four decades. Right. There was no greater form of live entertainment, more widely loved and widely um, attended as the ice shows. And starting about when? In 1940, with the, um, really starting in 1930, started in 1936 with Sonia Henney starting the Hollywood Ice Review and our own local Shipstads and Johnson from St. Paul doing the first traveling show of the Ice Follies in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Wow. And that great Bob Dylan line, take what you have gathered from Unfortunately, I was in Enid at the time <laughs> when they, in 1936, when, when they did their first performance there, uh, made the first traveling ice show. Wow. Invented it. Yes. And so there was this. From St. Paul. So because of Roy, I learned all of this amazing history, and I kept going, oh, you know, somebody really needs to do a film about this. Right. And, you know, Roy is um, perpetually young, but right. I was looking at the clock going, hmm, right. I better... 
do this myself. Right. And so I bought a, a, a camera. He ain't getting any younger. <laughs> I, who, who is? Nobody is, exactly. So I bought a camera, and I got the software, editing software, mm. and I taught myself how to become a filmmaker. Wow. And it took me almost eight years to make um, the fabulous Ice Age. And I went to... Over Which five. is what, about an hour and 10 minutes long. It's Yes, it's 72 minutes long. Wow. And I went with Roy to all these figure skating reunions in Vegas, in Europe. All, all over, and I, and I learned that even though the figure skating might have been a small portion of somebody's life chapter, mm -hmm. it really, for many of the people who were in the ice shows, defines their life. Right, oh, yeah. it was the highlight. And it was their highlight, and so then I learned that all these people were so excited to see that I was doing this film because it had never been, the story never, had no never been told before. Touched it. So Roy, so then how did you, what was your big connection then with the Traveling Ice Show? So how did that start? Well, after my five years in Chicago in the Conrad Hilton Ice Show. I gotta ask you real quick about that because I love the history of Chicago with all the great jazz and blues down there. But I imagine there was some luminaries that came to see that show at the Conrad Hilton. It really was uh, primarily the uh, business people who came, stayed at the hotel while they were doing business in Chicago. And hey, they have an ice skating show here in right. this building. We don't have to go anyplace. You know? right, right. Uh, that was the, the backbone of that. Right. But, but occasionally we did get, uh, you know, people, uh, famous people, but uh, sure. it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. Was there a band at, as uh, well? I can't tell you how many the how many pieces, but the, we had a, a band. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we had two bands because um, with a seven-day uh, schedule, uh, the main band paint, played five days, five wow. nights, and then we had the you know the other uh, band re replacement band two two nights, and their temp tempos were all very different. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one that was real fast with the first group, you know, then would be very lethargic that we thought. Right. Oh, come on. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, at the end but of... But some great musicians, though, I bet. Uh, while I was at the Conrad Hilton, uh, a man from Minneapolis um, who owned uh, um, ice skating shows called Holiday on Ice came, uh, and I was introduced to him. And uh, I said, uh, oh, uh, if you're ever looking for you know another guy to skate in your show, I would love to uh, have a contract. So they, he said, oh, yes, absolutely. We have a new show preparing in France, and uh, if you're available, then you... Uh, you, you've got a contract. And so, this is Morris Schalfen. His name was Morris Schalfen. He was this guy who uh, uh, was in the sports business and the. Uh, he owned the Lakers. Uh, oh, really? Yes. Okay. And uh, business and. Um, Nankin. Many buildings in downtown Minneapolis okay. are, are were his. In fact, one guy told me he rode through the city with Morris and showed, "That's mine. That's mine. <laughs> That's mine." But Nanking was their family's, right. uh, and I understand he had dinner there every day or lunch every day when he was in Minneapolis. At the time that I met him, he had something like four different units of his Holiday on Ice wow. shows. What an uh, entrepreneur. Two in the North America, uh, one in South America, one in Europe, and one in Asia. Wow. I worked uh, for Morris Schalfen uh, for about eight years and went to 40 countries, uh, traveled uh, uh, twice around the world. Uh, You're making me jealous now, Roy. <laughs> Uh, with the most incredible experiences and uh, wonderful times, uh, all of that was just, um, there's that whole thing. I'm, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I would say so. Over and over again. I would say so. And then... Uh, 
at the end, my last uh, uh, touring show was uh, South America. And I said, I'm 37 years old. I should find myself, you know, I should get out of this business and find myself a place to uh, do my photography. I knew I was going to be a photographer uh, uh, because even during the years that I was skating, they would take me out of the show to take pictures if the king and queen of Thailand came or, or these different... You're killing me. Yeah. And how did we set the show up in that building last time? So I started, they had me photographing the setup of the show, each town that where we were. So the company came, you know, gave me a lot of... Uh, uh, photography uh, jobs to do. So I knew I was going to be a photographer and I thought the best part, place for me, since I loved all the tropical countries that I had been in, I should go to California and where the movie business is and to photograph actors and actresses, you know, sure. in the movie, movie business. That so makes sense. They fly as, after we finished in Rio, the South American tour, I said, well, that's sayonara to my skating career, but I, here I come as a photographer. So I get to, uh, I, my plan to, in, they dropped us off in New York, and my plan was to stay three days and visit some friends. And those friends uh, were at dinner, talked me out of going to California uh, and uh, that I should stay in New York if I wanted to photograph actors and dancers and, and musicians and, and what other entertainers. Uh, 67, 1967. Wow, 1967. So uh, I looked around and found, my, uh, found myself a loft, 6th Avenue and 24th Street. What did you pay for And back stayed... Then? 25 years. My three days stretched out wow. to 25 years. How much did your loft cost in 1967? I think it was $130. Wow. Could that be? That, that's the thing, and I thought, oh my gosh, it would go am, I go, am I, am I going? Am I going? Oh, at least, am more. I am I going to be able to afford this one hundred and thirty dollars <laughs> <laughs> with this my my burgeoning? I'm giving birth to a career right. that I have no background in, right. but. Uh, here, here we go again. Yeah. I'm building, I have, get this loft. That's the name of your autobiography, if you haven't started. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dividing this loft into the studio right. and my home in the back. And uh, the phone rings, and uh, uh, people, a couple that I had skated with in the con uh, the Hilton Hotel in Chicago, uh, were on the other end of the phone, and they said, "Hi, Roy, you know, uh, this is so and so, -and, and we're now uh, directing the uh, ice skating." Uh, rink at Rockefeller Center and we want to put on this little uh, exhibition of skating four times a day uh, and we're looking for people to be you know uh, in that group and I thought oh my gosh I have never been a big soloist you know right. and, and they said and you would get two meals a day uh, and uh, I'm in. Uh, your salary <laughs> a salary of uh, two meals a day and uh, any uh, lessons that you would give there right. you get half the I said I'll see you in the morning I'll be there <laughs> So I went there and had this wonderful uh, career in the biggest ice skating, the most famous right. ice skating in the rink world. in the world, middle of New York City. Right. Rockefeller Center. Every night I looked and when the lights came on, it was just magical. It was magical. I said, how did you do how did right. you get here? Here we go again. And then it got cold. And mm. then the snow began to go. <laughs> and it wasn't quite so wonderful as it was in the fall. Right. Where it was just beautiful. Or skating down <laughs> Rio de Janeiro. So uh, I said at the end of that, uh, when the 
season was over, I will say, well, there again, my luck. I, that was the perfect time when I was working, at, trying to start working in a new career, and I could make some money in the, to keep me alive while right. I was doing that. So I said, well, that was a very lucky thing. That'll never happen again. Because they never advertised that we were going to skate at 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 7, 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Uh, if they happened to be standing around the rink, they saw our little exhibition. Mm -hmm. and, uh, other, and I said, you know, they're not going to do that again. Well, they called me the next year and said, can you come back? You know, and we're giving you more money. And so I said, let me think about this. I said, Roy, you've never been to India. That's one place that the ice skating show, which had been there previously, didn't go when I was in it. I said, why don't you save your money, go to take the job and save your money and go to India? And I did that. I hope you're enjoying this interview with Roy Blakey, subject of the documentary The Fabulous Ice Age, 100 Years of Dancing on Ice, that you can find now on Netflix with his niece and producer-director of the documentary, Carrie Pickett. I want to also remind you, come out and watch me play some night. Follow me at paulmetza.com. Well, the first time I saw her, she held a bird with a broken wing. This show is brought to you in part by Bourbon and Bose Salon, a great hair salon on the corner of 13th and University Avenue in Northeast Minneapolis. More information at bourbonandbowesalon.com. Registering with the Selective Service System is something every 18-year-old guy is required to do. That's the Selective Service, not the Secret Service. When you register with Selective Service, you won't be guarding the president. Nobody's going to give you sunglasses and a black suit. You know what happens when you register with Selective Service? You'll stay eligible for college loans, jobs, and training programs. If you're a guy turning 18, go to sss.gov and register. No, karate classes are not included. Saturdays at 1 p.m., you have a chance at a fresh start, a new beginning. Hi, everybody. This is Freddie Bell, host of New Beginnings. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, spirituality, and even entertainment. Every day is a chance for a fresh start. Join us Saturdays at 1 p.m. for New Beginnings with Freddie Bell on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. The Spring St. Paul Art Crawl, presented by the St. Paul Art Collective, will be running April 27th, 28th, and 29th. This is a must-do experience that you will love. Over the weekend, you'll have the chance to explore a wide variety of art while touring through local artist studios, lofts, and galleries. Hosting over 350 artists, up for purchase will be paintings, photography, pottery, sculpture, fiber arts, and more. The Art Crawl sprawls over 34 locations. Join the Art Crawl and discover outstanding art for you to own. When you buy local art, you're providing to artists so that they may continue to create the art we love. The Metro Transit is supporting the local art community with free transit passes. Download your pass to ride buses and light rail for free during the Art Crawl. Be sure to get details at thesaintpaulartcrawl.org. That's thesaintpaulartcrawl.org. Hi, I'm Damian Strange, Executive Director of Northeast Minneapolis Arts Association, NEMA. And I'm personally inviting you to Arter World, May 18th through the 20th. View artwork of over 650 artists in every medium at more than 50 locations throughout Northeast Minneapolis, including studio buildings, art galleries, homes, storefronts, and local businesses. The Artist Open Studio Tour may include demonstrations, mini workshops, installations, and special exhibitions. Studio tours offer a great opportunity to ask questions, discuss techniques, experience art firsthand, and purchase unique artwork directly from artists. Arter World gives you a unique opportunity to meet the artists who make our community so vibrant and invest in our art community by purchasing artwork that you connect with. For more information, go to nema.org. That's nema.org. Looking forward to seeing you at Arter World. 
Welcome back to the last segment on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. I'm your host, Paul Metzen. We're going to have a little more with Roy Blakey, subject of the documentary The Fabulous Ice Age, 100 Years of Dancing on Ice, currently on Netflix with producer-director and his niece, Carrie Pickett. God, do I feel like a loser next year. <laughs> um, I, I, 40 countries, now you're going to go to India, you're living in New York in 1960. <laughs> I applaud you. I applaud your courage. I applaud your tenacity. And, and most of all, I, mean, I so admire the, your good luck. So it's continuing. Yeah, it's continuing. Then after I uh, finish my 25 years in New York, and I say, you know, it's time to move on. And uh, I came. I had come to Minneapolis, and, and Carrie had had her bout with cancer, and she stayed in Minneapolis and uh, got a studio here. So when I came for Christmas or birthday celebration or whatever, I said to her, "I want to see your studio." So we went down to the Ford Center, and she had this wonderful shared this wonderful. Um, uh, uh, studio with another young lady who was a, a photographer and I said how much do you have to pay for a studio in right. Minneapolis and I fainted on the floor when it was so much less than I had been paying in New York right. so I said I think I should come to Minneapolis and we should get a studio together so nice. that's how that happened wow now, and then and then ahead. we got the best building that you could possibly get yes <laughs> No, and I know. Should we say where it is? Sure. It's right uh, on East Hennepin, uh, a couple doors down from the Terminal Bar, which I've always said is the most aptly named bar in Minneapolis. And about, <clears throat> what is the cross street? Is that 5th Street? 4th. Yeah, 4th Street. Now, please, fourth. now, are you open mm. if folks would like to come? By appointment. By appointment. And what's the phone number? 612-627-9938 for wow. Roy. And I welcome people who are interested. Who want to come so and, I see his collection, yeah. my stage archive collection. I, 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 almost every week I get a, a call of somebody saying, you know, I saw the documentary. I would love to come and see your collection. And I said, tell me when you can come. Do you see, Roy, do you ever uh, are in contact with uh, your colleagues, uh, ex-skaters, from back in the day or people you met in the business? Every the two years we have a reunion. Usually it's in Las Vegas. Wow. And uh, we see all of our friends and we're all getting too old. <laughs> well, and then we say, who are those other young people over there? Oh, they skated after us. Yeah, oh, yeah. right. <laughs> well, Carrie, you uh, filmed some of that is in the film, <laughs> those reunions. But you also filmed some very um, famous skaters like... Tell us who. Well, um, in the course of doing the film, I met so many people, and there are some super... In the film, seven shows are covered, from Ice Follies, Ice Capades, Sonia Henney, Hollywood Ice Review, Holiday on Ice, Tom Collins, Champions on Ice, all the way to Star Disney on ice. on ice and Stars on Ice. And so... The, the entrepreneurs who started those shows are featured. Uh, perhaps a, a star of the one of those shows is featured. Mm -hmm. And the cultural context and political context of that time. Right. And so you cover in the film, it goes through this 100-year history. And in, in the course of doing the documentary, yes, I, I filmed Dick Button, who is... Um, seen in the film fighting over Charlotte's skates with Roy because they're both avid ice skating memorabilia right. collectors. And Charlotte was the very first star of the ice show. She played the Hippodrome in 1915. It was supposed to be a very short run. It ended up going for years and changed the whole face of figure skating as the elite um, embraced figure skating and it turned into the tank show period where the hotels and fine mm -hmm. um, dining places would have these ice skating shows in their hotels. And so, um, it, the, you know, Dick Button knew, met Charlotte. And so it was like a direct connection to one of the very first stars of right. the ice shows, Charlotte. But then we go through all the way to, like, 
the um, film I, Tanya is out right now about the Kerrigan-Harding incident. Right. Well, Nancy Kerrigan is in my film, and that incident that took this whole beautiful film, I, Tanya, is maybe three minutes in my documentary. It was, <clears throat> and so it... Um, uh, Scott Hamilton is in the film. Uh, Tanya, Hart, uh, Tanya Hart, um, Nancy Kerrigan is in jo the film. Jo. Jojo Starbuck is in the film. Did Ken, they all have, Ken Shelley is in the film. Did they all have an appreciation of the history of Dancing on Ice that Uncle Roy has? Those that you've just mentioned do. Yes, uh, you know, I think that, that everybody recognizes this history, but well, the one thing that I wanted to do with the film The Fabulous Ice Age is I wanted to make it a film that would be for people who didn't know anything or think that they even cared about figure skating, mm -hmm. all the way to these superstars and people who have dedicated their lives to the ice shows and figure skating. And I found that people always tell me, even those people who have been in this industry, that they learned things that they didn't know. Right. And then people who don't really care about figure skating look at me and they're just like, I can't believe I cared zip zero zilch about right. figure skating and I loved your film. Wow. It clips along at a really good pace and... You know, it's a really important part of our American history. And I think that part of the reason that it had never been tackled as a documentary film before was, first, there's all these filmmakers out there who think that they're going to get money to make their film and, right. or they're going to get paid to make their film. Right. And I recognize that that is not the most important thing about making the film. Right. It would be wonderful if a person would get paid. But, you know, I did my film out of passion and love for Roy and love for this story. Right. Would you tell any uh, <laughs> young man or woman out there, young boy or girl, about following their dream and how it works out for you and how that is essentially, from listening to your story, what life is all about, correct? It's kind of organic. I mean, what did I know? I just knew that that was something, uh, as a child, that struck me, and I thought it was so magnificent that uh, I just wanted to see more of it and, and be... Uh, Mm, I don't know, uh, uh, in, intelligent about what was going on uh, in the ice skating, in the theatrical ice skating world. Uh, but uh, I guess it, the, uh, my advice would be following your dream. If, if you really love something, go for it, you know. And you did, and it worked out. And your lovely niece, Carrie Pickett, has documented in a great film, The Fabulous Ice Age, 100 Years of Skating on Ice. Roy, I'm honored to have you on my show. I'm honored to call you my friend. I want to come over and look at the archives over there on East Terrific. And hang out. And then we got to go for a martini at uh, Whitey's <laughs> afterwards. Thanks for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This show was produced by Paul Metza and engineered by Paul Sowie. We'd like to thank our guests, Roy Blakey and Carrie Pickett. Watch my television show, Wall of Power TV, 8 and 11.30 every Saturday night. If you have Comcast on Channel 6 or stream from MCN6.org. Like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy.